0: My friends, I want to read to you on this day from uh, a gospel Luke there in the 10th chapter. We're going to start at verse 25 and conclude at verse 37. And, you know, this is a parable that you have heard many times. And I want to invite you to understand something. First off, when Jesus talks... um, When it comes to possessions, you know the only thing Jesus talks about more than possessions is the kingdom of God. It's not love or grace or prayer, but possessions, okay? And uh, every parable that you read all has a direct line back to stewardship about offering God all that we have, all that we are. And so, whether you believe it or not, the parable of the Good Samaritan is a parable about stewardship. So let us listen to God's holy word on this day. May it settle upon our souls, our hearts, and most importantly, our minds. So hear now what God says to us. Just then, The lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, and having poured oil and wine on them, then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The man said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Loving God, we do praise you. Praise you for this time to be together, a time to reorient ourselves and to focus our hearts and our minds upon you. And in that process, we also pray that your love might enter into us and start to change our hearts. That we're not so hard hearted and stiff necked, but we come a people who are pliable because of your grace and who look to follow you in all things. Be with us now. Speak to us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Eric Halstad, who writes in for Leadership Magazine, he actually wrote this story a few years ago. Well, I was preaching one Sunday, an elderly woman named Mary fainted. And when she fainted, she struck her head on the end of a pew, knocked her out cold. We had an EMT in the congregation, and he began first aid. They called an ambulance. And as they... We're getting her strapped onto the stretcher and taking her to the hospital. Mary regained her consciousness. And then she very cautiously and slowly motioned for her daughter to come near. And her daughter came near. And she said, I, I need to tell you something. And so her daughter got really close, put her ear down right to Mary's mouth. Many in the congregation, you know, you couldn't hear a pin drop. They were so intent and listening because they didn't know exactly what all had happened. And was this going to be the last word she ever spoke? And then Mary told her daughter, this is important. Don't forget. In my purse, you'll find my tithe check. Please turn it in for me. Now, story also went on to say that this woman made a full recovery. But if they thought, if you thought, and if people thought this was going to be your last words, what would you say? Would you say, hey, you know what? This thing called life, well, there's something that's even more important and just living and that's being a steward because when we're our true steward we really are engaging we really are living because not only are we living we're living for Jesus Christ we're living for other people we're making a difference we're loving God and neighbor in everything that we do and you can see it not just in the things we say but in the way we act and in the way that we live and that is what we have been called to do what would your last words say of you? You know, stewardship means using God given abilities to manage God given resources to accomplish God's results. Now, what's important to you know, when I think of stewardship, I often think of my money, giving up my resources. But giving money to the church is not stewardship. It is only a part of stewardship. So if giving money isn't what stewardship is about, then maybe it's about doing ministry. You know, the giving of my abilities and even my time. But you know what? What you do in ministry for God is not stewardship either. It's only a part of stewardship. Stewardship. And let's get to, the, to this. You know what stewardship is about? It's about the heart. In other words, good stewardship is a matter of attitude. Attitude that stands behind why you give. Attitude that stands behind why you serve, why you give of your time. It's not what you give or what you do for God. It is why do you do it? If you give money and resources to God and have the wrong attitude, you're not a good steward. If you give yourself in ministry but you don't have the right attitude, you're not a good steward. Now the parable of the Good Samaritan is a parable truly about an attitude of stewardship. And in the parable, you're going to find three attitudes on display. And we exhibit one of the three. So, what's the first attitude? Well, the attitude is, what's yours is mine. I mean, let's be honest. That's the attitude the thieves had towards the innocent person on the road, right? And that's not an attitude that we approve of, is it? In fact, even the world understands that this is a wrong attitude. However, why do you think God has to call us out in Micah chapter three, verses eight through 10? And God says to God's people, and I would even submit that God says to you and I today, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how do I rob you? And God says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it all. Those are powerful words. But you know what? Let's be honest. Words of prophets usually are pretty powerful. And if it doesn't really hit you between the eyes and right in the heart then they're probably not a very effective profit. Now, let's say that you have gone out to eat. And when I mean gone out to eat, I mean you went to a fancy restaurant, not a cafeteria or an all-you-can-eat buffet, not even fast food. I mean a nice sit-down restaurant that's got tablecloths and maybe a candle in the middle for ambiance. And... Uh, You eat. You eat a sumptuous meal. And not only that, but you had a waiter or waitress that was attentive to you, attentive to your every need, who got you what you needed in a timely manner and helped you in the enjoyment of your meal. So what is the last thing that you are going to do before you leave? Right, you're going to leave a tip, and you're going to have to do some math. I know it's a struggle. I get you. And somewhere like 15, 20, 25 percent now—that's that's the the tipping rate here. And uh, so you're going to give them, you know, something that makes you not look too bad in their eyes, and doesn't break the bank, kind of stuff. Right. Now, if a patron, if you leave a restaurant, and you put no money or less than a tip on the table of the server, for the server, what do you think your server is likely gonna think about you? Well, they're gonna think like one or two things and maybe both. First, they might think, did I do a poor job? But I didn't, I did a great job. More than likely, you know what that person's gonna think? Person's gonna think, man, that person is cheap, And they robbed me because I worked hard. Now, did you owe the server that tip? No. But if she or he did the work that they should have done, such a gratuity shows up for appreciation of her service for what she's done for you. You know, for Christians, the tithe is the same thing. We love God. And we want to show God our love and our appreciation for all that God has blessed us with, for all that God has done for us. And so we give. We tithe. We make a difference in the world. You know, the first attitude is what's yours is mine and I'm going to keep it. You know, there's a there's a story I like to tell. There's a story of a man and a, a wife who went to church. And as they left, they were driving off in their car and the man turned to his wife and said, God, that was the, that was the worst service ever. That was horrible. The songs were bad and they weren't well sung. The prayers were terrible. And that may have been the worst sermon I've ever heard. And not only was it a bad sermon, it just kept going on and on and on. His wife looked at him and said, you know, for a person who puts a dollar in the offering plate every Sunday, you sure do have high expectations. (laughs) What do you think our blessings would look like If our blessings were tied to what we give here on earth? The first attitude, what is yours is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And the second attitude is, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And that's actually in verses 31 and 32. Now, who does Jesus says pass by this man who is lying in the ditch? It's a priest and a Levite. Of course, we all know who a priest is, but who's the Levite? Well, a Levite is actually like a lay person who actually works and assists and helps the priest. I mean, these were men of ministry. These were religious leaders. These were the doers in the congregation. They were trained to serve God. But they're not going to do anything for this man dying on the side of the road. Because in order to help this man, they'd have to give up something important to them. They'd have to give up their time or their resources or their personal comfort. I mean, just think about it. They've been trained to do ministry. And when real ministry presents themselves to it, they turn the other way. Their attitude is what mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And let me tell you, this is not a good stewardship attitude. Now, the third attitude, what's mine is yours. Do you realize that this is God's attitude towards us? That God withholds nothing from us. That God gives us everything. That God pours out blessings upon us. And not only is this God's attitude towards us, this is the attitude that God expects us to have towards God's and towards other people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we see this is in verses 33 through 37. You know, the Samaritan was not trained in ministry. You know, the Samaritan was probably not wealthier than the priest or the Levite. The Samaritan probably had better things to do with his time with his life, with his money. Yet, what did he do? He stopped. And what made the difference? You know what made the difference? His attitude. His attitude made all the difference. His attitude helped him to overcome prejudice. And why would there be prejudice? Well, he's a half-breed. He's not Jewish and he's not Gentile. He's like right in the middle. He doesn't have anybody other than other Samaritans. But he didn't allow that to keep him from stopping him. He overcame his prejudice. He overcame and ignored the inconvenience. He even gave up his possessions to take care of the man. I mean, his attitude is really what makes the story worth telling. And you know, uh, it says in the text, right, that he gave two denarii. You know, so what's a denarius, right? A denarius, it's hard to say what the equivalent would be today. Some say it might have been like $50 would be the equivalent. But the other way to understand it, I think this is probably a better way, is that it was a full day's pay for a skilled laborer. A full day's pay for someone who was trained and did a job and did it well. And he gave two of those. And then what did he say? And if it's not enough, I'm going to come back and I'm going to settle it up with you. I'm going to take care of this person. So, do you have an attitude of ownership? I own it and I'll make the decisions. It's all mine. Because here's the deal. If that is your attitude, then I want to say this. You don't own your stuff. Your stuff owns you. Steward is someone who takes care of something for somebody else. If you're a steward, you don't own what you have. You take care of it because it's important and ultimately, it's not yours. If you're a steward of God, you need to make up your mind. Maybe even change your attitude. I don't own my time, I don't own my money, I don't own my possessions. I don't own my relationships. They all belong to God. I just manage them. If I can master this attitude, I will be a good steward. Now here's the confession I need to make to you. As we've laid out all three, right? All the attitudes. I'd like to go, you know what? I'm in the last one, I'm in the third one. I'm so holy and righteous and pious and you know what, everybody? Y'all ought to just be like me. But here's the truth, I'm an absolute sinner and I need God's grace. I don't stand before you because I've got something that you don't have. I stand before you to say I struggle like everybody else and I find myself always having to look at my attitude. Always striving to be better. And I can't do it on my own. I have to have the Holy Spirit. I have to have God's grace. I have to have a community of believers who I can worship with, who can inspire me and love me and help me so that I can be a true steward. I love this true story. At one time at the city temple in London, there was a congregation and a restaurant owner named Emil Mettler, who was a close friend and missions agent of Albert Schweitzer. Mettler would never allow a Christian worker to pay for a meal in his restaurant. But once he did happen to open his cash register in the presence of the Secretary of the London Mission Society. The secretary was astonished to see what was lying in that cash register with all of the money. It was a six-inch nail. And so he asked, what in the world's that doing there? And Mettler explained I keep this nail with my money to remind me of the price that Christ paid for my salvation and what I owe Christ in return. You know what? The least I can do is to be a good steward. My friends, that's an amazing reason to give. So I wanna leave you with this. What's your attitude? Why do you give? Why do you not give? What's God calling you to? Because we can all become better stewards. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.